Hey, welcome to the C3 Auckland podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, head to c3church.org.nz. We hope you enjoy this message. My message this morning is called, titled, Be the Glue. Uh, We're talking about family. Uh, We're talking about doing things together. God's great plan of us being united. And uh, I want to encourage us here this morning to be the glue. you know, it is a privilege being a mum, and I've got a few photos uh, for those of you who haven't been around uh, for the last 18 years, uh, just to show you a few. My two boys, you can leave it on that one. I gave birth to two blondies. Uh, I was once asked if I was the nanny, because <laughs> they look nothing like me. Um, and, you know, they have been an absolute joy, like, from day one, they've been an absolute joy uh, to bring up. So there's my two gorgeous boys, blonde. And the next one, you can see them growing up. Next. <laughs> boys never grow up. Oh, yes. Look at them. They're so cute. Oh, smoky. I do indulge them slightly because they are cute. There's Ethan with his broken arm, one of three, I think. Um, uh, Yeah, and then this is the next slide. It's my other son, Cruz, who was our next-door neighbour at four, semi-adopted himself into our family, and he has been probably to more church services services than any of you. Uh, I've driven him round to camps and... And even last year when they went to Primal Getaway together, I was still somehow picking up his uh, sleeping bag that he forgot, his bag of clothes, and loading him an air bed to get him to camp and dropping it off at the bus. How did that happen? But he, you know, like you can have sons in your life that aren't biological. You can adopt them into the family and be a mum to all. Um, And you can flick through the next... um, slides fairly quickly, but this is just me. Look at that character, so much joy. Don't tell him, he's not here. I should put that photo on. (laughs) Growing up, and they grow up so fun. And you know, like being a mum is just the greatest joy, and there's a couple here of our family because it's not just me raising these two tykes. It's us together as a family. They are my sons, whom I love and are well pleased with. And, you know, I feel like my key role as a mum is just keeping us all together. It doesn't just happen. I think you need to be intentional and work really hard at togetherness as a priority in your family. Uh, It doesn't just happen. We each have very strong, can you believe it, personalities, differences of opinions and ideas about how things should roll. You just need to get uh, me trying to do a driving lesson with one of our boys to see how wrong it can go so quickly. I'm like, slow down. I'm not going fast. But maybe you could slow down. It's fine, Mum. I've got this. Do you see that car coming that way? Yes, I know. It's dreadful. (laughs) It can all go so wrong so quickly. But we as the parents, as the adults, need to figure out the way to keep it all together. 
Uh, and that is what we're talking about, keeping it together. You know, God's way is unity. It's his big idea. And for us, it's about elevating that value above everything else. And unity doesn't mean conformity. And it doesn't mean checking your brain at the door and getting rid of your differences or, um, you know, different ideas of how things roll. Unity is seeing the bigger picture, having that key value, uh, and letting that drive your decision-making and behavior because you know at the end of it, there is such power in the togetherness of a family. And that togetherness ripples through generations. It's peace and prosperity for our families, for our workplaces, for our communities, and for our church. And we want to elevate that value for you and let you grab a hold of it to understand there is power and peace as we go together. Yeah? It's fantastic. And who doesn't want unity and peace in their families? Who doesn't want it? And I want to encourage you today, no matter where you find yourself at, with different relationships, may they be strained, may they be tight, may they be whatever shape they're in, there is always a way forward and there is always a way together. And I want to look at some keys to agreement of being the glue. And I'm looking at a text in Joshua 22. And the context of uh, this story in the Old Testament is a testament to the power of unity. All the tribes of Israel have joined together and they've crossed the Jordan into the promised land. Joshua 22. Hmm, good. It's coming. I'm just, you know, so bossy. See, this is how it's amazing, amazing how we stay together. (laughs) Together they conquered. No, no comments from the front row, please. We'll talk about it later. Okay. (laughs) Defeated. They, together, they defeated mighty opposition. They took hold of the promised land. They accomplished all that was set before them. And then this comes to this place, and you're reading through Joshua 21, and it's all, you know, daisies and flowers and a pretty road forward. They're all together and Moses is blessing them and telling them how great they are and what an amazing bunch of people they are. And there's uh, two and a half tribes that uh, prior to them crossing into the promised land had been given territory to the east of the Jordan. And it was time for them that fulfilled their commission to help the rest of Israel get into the promised land and it was time for them to go home. And we pick it up in verse one. Then Joshua summoned the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh and said to them, You have done all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded, and you have obeyed me in everything I commanded. For a long time now, to this very day, you have not deserted your fellow Israelites, but have carried out the mission the Lord your God gave you. Now that the Lord your God has given them rest, as he promised, return to your homes in the land that Moses the servant of the Lord gave you on the other side of the Jordan. It's beautiful, right? Brothers in arms, faithful, bonded in battle, together for life, right? You know, it's insta-perfect. It's photo-perfect. It's all happening. 
They are the blessed ones. They are the faithful ones. They are together ones. They are the you are amazing ones. And then what happens? Verse 10. When they came to, this is the guys going home. When they came to Gileoth near the Jordan and the land of Canaan, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh built an imposing altar there by the Jordan. And when the Israelites heard that they had built the altar on the border of Canaan, near the Jordan on the Israelite side, the whole assembly of Israel gathered at Shiloh to go to war against them. I know, you're reading through and it's all like, and they're going home and then within, not very far, the rest of them are wanting to go to war with these mighty brothers of arms that have helped them, you know, get to their cities and towns and set up everything and fought all the enemies together and then suddenly it all goes wrong. And within a sentence, they go from together and united to making war, planning to go to war with each other. Hello, does that sound familiar? Anyone relate to that? It's all going good and then something happens, someone says something, something gets done and then bow, it all goes to custard. Am I talking to perfect people here? <laughs> I'm reading this and I'm like rereading it because I'm like, what? How did this happen? What's gone so terribly wrong? They send out a delegation. Look, so they did immediately jump to the wrong conclusion. And that is part of my upcoming points. Don't do that. But what they did do is they send out a delegation. Ten of the tribal chiefs, the priests, and they go out to meet these guys. And they come with an accusation. In verse 16, the whole assembly of the Lord says, how could you break faith with the God of Israel like that? How could you turn away from the Lord and build yourselves an altar in rebellion against him now? You know, like there's always, when, when things go wrong, when things break down, there's always an accusation on one side. And they come with it with force and emotional power and there's outrage and emotion aplenty in it. But they have a korero. They have a little talk. They get... They front up, they, they send wise people, and, and they talk about it. And they explain the area of misunderstanding. They talk it through. No, you've got it all wrong, they say. We built this altar, this big imposing altar, for quite a different purpose. We're not building it to worship another God and break faith with you. We're actually setting it up as a marker of unity between both sides of the tribes of Israel on each side of the river. They built it for the complete opposite purpose, to say, we, on this side, they, they've got the foresight to go, you know, down the, down the track, you could forget all that we've done together. Our, our, our generations could have forgotten, and this river could be a divide between us. So what we've done is we've built this clear, imposing marker to go, this is... Us, as a witness between us that the Lord is God. And they're happy. They put down their swords. They put down their arms. A, a conversation. A conversation to get on the same page. To understand where someone else is coming from. Solves it all. 
And uh, I think there's some wisdom that we can learn from this story. Keys to agreement. Keys to being the glue. Number one. Oh, you might not like me for some of these points. <laughs> because, you know, it always feels good to blame someone else for what's going wrong. It's their fault. It's their fault. No, it's their fault. When an incident in our kitchen where somehow I managed to slice open my son's hand, the first thing, bad mother that I did was I said, it was your, why were you flapping your arms in the air? It's your fault that you've cut your hand open. And then Ethan goes, no, it's Dylan's fault because he took the lid off the rice steamer and therefore there was steam and therefore that's why I was raising my thing. And then Dylan goes, it's not my fault, it's your fault because you were flapping your arms around. And then Ethan's like, actually, it's, it's mum's fault because she's got the knife in her hand. We love to pass the buck, right? But what I'm suggesting to us mature people is that we need to take some responsibility and some ownership of being the glue when things go to custard. So we have to be mature. We can't jump to conclusions. And I've seen it happen all the time. These misunderstandings and someone automatically emotionally reacts to something that's potentially has been said or potentially has been done and they jump to conclusions and they don't send out a delegate to find out what's wrong. They just go to war and they pour it out and to other people and they pour it out on online and all this kind of stuff and they just have jumped to the wrong conclusion. And once you've gone there, it's impossible to come back. We can't jump to conclusions. And our conclusions are always based on some of our fears of what could happen or what might happen. And I've seen it happen where just people have had a bad experience here and so they translate it to here even though what's happening here is nothing like what happened back there. And then it's, you know, you've got to quiet your fears. If you're going to be mature, if you're going to figure out how to stay together, you've got to quiet your fears. You've got to not jump to those conclusions And you have to show up and talk. You have to. If something's going wrong or going wrong, you need to have the maturity and the courage to go and talk to someone. Even though it can be intimidating and a little bit awkward, or what you're playing through your mind that could happen is going to be awkward or confronting or hard, what actually happens when you turn up can be quite surprising. And you can work it out. And you can find out the facts, not secondhand or thirdhand or offended on someone else's behalf, but you can actually sit down with the person involved and go, hey, this has happened. Why did you do that? Shock horror. And then we can listen. Ooh, that's another, another big one here for us, just to listen to what someone else is saying. Listen. Look, maturity waits. Maturity takes a breath. Maturity talks it through. And maturity listens. It says in verse 30, when the heads of the clans of Israelites heard what they had to say, they were pleased. 
you know, to keep on the same page, we need to grow up. I think that's one of the biggest challenges I've had as a mum, is actually growing up and becoming the bigger person and not jumping into the sand pit in the kids' fight and scrapping it out with them. We need to get a level of maturity to keep us all together. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We need to put on maturity. We need to put on our big girl and boy pants. We need to develop this in our life to be the glue in our families, in our workplaces, in our communities, and in this church. Let's get mature. Number two. Oh, I know another hard one to throw at you. Humility. Crikey. This is tough because humility, even though it's this beautiful quality that glues us all together, and secures peace, it goes completely against our human nature, I think, half the time. But we're encouraged to become more like Christ, and Christ modeled humility. Philippians 2, 3 to 4 says, do nothing out of self-ambition or vain conceit, but rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. It's a big call, right? But this is the journey of sanctification of the people of God. This is God's way of making family work. It's when we can lay down our own interests and our own uh, agendas and can truly and genuinely look after the interests of others. To find agreement, you have to be ready to be wrong. She say that, I'm never wrong. You have to lay down your rightness sometimes. And even if you are right, for the sake of peace, you may just have to lay that down too. Look, pride doesn't move. Pride won't reconcile. Pride won't admit wrong. Pride takes offense and throws it back in others' face. Pride divides. You will never get on the same page as people, and you will find yourself in strife, in brokenness, in division, if you can't put your pride down. You know, there's this uh, TV show called uh, Lost and Found, and there was this crazy situation. He puts long-lost family members back together, and there was this crazy one. I love it. I always cry through it. It's like, oh, Um, there was this, and most people, like the joy of the reconciliation, and this one says sorry, and the other one goes, oh, and I forgive you, and it's all beautiful, and this one guy, this old grumpy Scottish guy, 
he would not move. He was like grumpy, like to the point of rude. So she flies to wherever. Where was it? Scotland. Oh, yeah, because he's Scottish. Uh, uh, Knocks on the door. Here I am. I'm your daughter. I haven't seen you since I was five. I really just want to reconnect with you. And he goes, no, you're not. Get out of my house. I want nothing to do with you. That guy lives alone without family, without community, because he will not lay down his pride of looking bad because he made a mistake. Look, we make mistakes. We say sorry. Motherhood is a constant, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I am so sorry. We've got to lay down our pride. Proverbs 13.10 says, where there's strife, there's pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Proverbs 16.11, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. We've got to put on humility. We've got to bite our tongues, eat some humble pie. Why? So you can be humiliated, so you can let people walk all over you, so wrongs can just be ignored. No, for the sake of reconciliation, for the sake of being together, for the sake of peace in your family, for the sake of togetherness, for the sake of it. We have families at war. We have communities at war. We have a nation that could be at war with each other. It needs mature people and humble people to keep it all together, to be the light in their families, to model it well and to see change happen, right? Be humble. And lastly, this one's a little bit more palatable, (laughs) is wisdom. Who wants to be wise? Who likes the thought of that? Wisdom. Wisdom has foresight to know that just because things are good now, they may not always, and that there's intentionality needed to happen. Wisdom elevates the key values in your household, in your, in your organisation, and in the church, and it makes it super clear. And that's what that monument did that they set up. It made it really clear, the Lord is God. We can all agree on that, Right? There's theologies and cultural ways of doing things, but we can all get on the same page that the Lord is God. That binds us together. It makes it really clear. We elevate that over our emotions or our feelings or our misunderstandings or whatever's going on. We elevate that. We can agree on that. That's what wisdom does. That's what I loved about the Eastern tribes of Israel. They thought about it before it could have gone wrong. They thought about it and established a really clear marker between the two sides of the tribes of the Jordan. A witness between us that the Lord is God. Yeah, and businesses do that. They hire way more on value in cultures and skills these days. And wisdom, lastly, follows God's way. You know, we want to say to you very clearly that unity is God's way. Romans 12, 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Ephesians 4, 3 to 6, 
Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We elevate that and wisdom does things God's way. And when we fall over, we reconnect ourselves back to that truth and we keep on the same page. So unity is God's way and our call how to live to get on with one another. And we've got to fight for it, and we've got to take responsibility to be that glue, being mature, humble, and wise. And the benefit of that will be peace, peace in your marriage, peace in your family, peace in all the families, quasi-families that you find yourselves in. Amen? Yeah. And, you know, I really want to honour my mum and dad for how they've raised me because they've done these things. They've modelled these things. They've put relationship and our family togetherness above everything, really. They've made a real effort to keep us together. Even though my brother lives on the other side of the world and has done for 20 years, they speak weekly with him. And when we do crazy things, They support us, encourage us, and flow generously always to us. And I love that, and I want to have that for my own family, and I want to somehow transfer it uh, into us here. Because peace is a beautiful thing, and family together is powerful. And what we can achieve together is many different parts with many different backgrounds when we can stick on the same page of the one thing that the Lord is God, then we can do amazing things. Amazing things. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you'd like to know more about our church or to find out what's coming up, check out c3church.org.nz.